Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. and welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the New Statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're going to be talking about the new series of The Great British Bake Off and the new Anna in the North album, Lovers. We've also watched the Netflix reality show, Terrace House, Boys and Girls in the City. So we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. I have to say before we even start that we got a tweet from someone saying that I sound like a sketch at the beginning of Seriously. Yes, (laughs) that it's just getting more and more hello. Yeah, I think Russell Brand had a bit about like the way that like mums talk over the fence to one another Mm -hmm. where they're like, oh, hi, Joan, how are you? And that is what I sound like. So apologies, listeners, for becoming like a parody of a middle aged woman. But that's me. (laughs) Can't deny it. So in seriously related things, it's been a it's been a big summer for Seriously. And we do have one big final event other than our sold out Game of Thrones quiz, which we're doing tonight. So see y'all there if you're coming. We have the London Podcast Festival this Sunday, the 17th of September. Yes, indeed. So that is at 2pm, I believe, at King's Place by King's Cross. There are quite a lot of tickets still available very much available one might say (laughs) so we would really really love to see as many of you as possible there if you can get to london for the day or if you already live here it would be awesome to see you you can get those tickets on seriouslypod.com forward slash london pod fest it's gonna be great it's gonna be great and there are loads of other really good shows on sunday i'm actually really sad that wooden overcoats which is a podcast i love very much are actually on at the same time as us so you can't go sorry listeners the perils of a podcast festival you have to come to ours but There are loads of other really good things happening on Sunday. And I think you get quite a good discount if you book for more than one thing. So So that's the way to do it. Yeah, you could make a really nice afternoon of it. Great. Well, hopefully see some Seriously listeners there. Please come with questions and queries and comments because we love that kind of interaction at these events. Yeah, and we hope you enjoyed the question episode last week. While Anna was on holiday, I put out a slightly (laughs) shonkily edited version of us just answering some random questions. I have to say that Anna... Your pronouncement that Buffy is fine 
has I know, prompted some people. controversy. Well, I haven't seen enough of it really to to comment, which was what the question was about. So don't take anything I say to heart. I don't know what I'm talking about half the time. <laughs> <laughs> she seems to have a great person to do podcasting. Yeah. So that was really fun to do. And we loved answering questions. So yeah, come to the London Podcast Festival armed with many questions to spear us with. Yeah. And I believe that afterwards they give us a recording of the show so we could actually at some point put that out for you people to listen to if you are interested in that Mm. i don't know do people like listening to recordings of events they're not at i have no idea i mean sometimes i do like uh i listened to a new york public library event which was zadie smith and chimamanda Mm. and gozi adichie and that was great so i mean we're neither of those humans (laughs) i was gonna say (laughs) we don't have the same pull (laughs) yeah i don't think i would listen to that if it was us no offense us but Uh, yeah okay so yeah anyway if if you have strong feelings about whether you'd like to hear that or not let us know because i'm very much torn about these things yes anyway should we roll on with the show yeah sounds like a good idea yeah so the first thing we're going to talk about this week is the new series of the great british bake-off which as everybody knows (laughs) i'll just do this the whole time has (laughs) has controversially moved from the bbc to channel four and has lost its presenters and one of its chief judges in melon sue and mary berry they've been replaced by noel fielding and sandy toxwig and then prue leith as the not as good mary berry (laughs) judge just getting in there with my review very early on caroline but in all other regards the show is very similar 10 contestants three challenges per episode eventually a winner who will or will not become britain's baking media darling mm-hmm, exactly i've already forgotten who went out in the first week there will be spoilers about the first two episodes of bake off by the way so if you're like catching up like some kind of idiot then don't listen because obviously we'll say who go who went in the last two weeks yeah so it was peter peter in, in the first uh, week. peter yes already lost to time yeah r.i.p uh, and then last week's one was Chris. Chris. 50-year-old Chris Giger became the second baker to leave the tent after he cracked under the pressure of Biscuit Week's tricky fortune cookie technical challenge. I oh God, I don't even remember Chris. That's really no, bad. No, he was like ba- bantering with Sandy and people. I remember in the first episode he was like, they were like joking about like being a comedian as a profession. And, you know, he seemed like the kind of the, the uncle at the wedding who'd, you know, make a silly joke. No, that was his whole vibe. he's already gone. Just, just disappeared. But yeah. so anyway, it's, it's a really weird thing, isn't it? The fact that Bake Off is made by a production company for these channels. It's not, mm-hmm. it was never made by the BBC. And so, so many things about it have just stayed the same because it's presumably much the same crew working yeah. on it. It's got the same location. It's got the same style. It's got the same schedule, but they've had these key like front of camera personnel changes. Yeah. And also it has adverts now, totally. which I'd forgotten until I watched the first episode. So it now runs at like a cool 70 minutes overall, I think, yeah. because it's it's still a 60 minute, you know, show in terms of content. And then they've just got all these extra ad breaks. Yeah, you're right. It's like Love Productions, I think, right? Who mm. also, they've done a quite a lot of high profile stuff for Channel 4, like Benefit Street, I think they did, and some other things like that. Yeah, a lot of it has remained the same, but I feel like we should start by discussing all the things that have changed, right? Yeah, so key changes are obviously the presenters. Mm-hmm. We've lost Mel and Sue's cosy, pun-based style mm-hmm. for the slightly odd, I don't know. It's not that different, is it? The, the, the kind of vibe that they're doing. They're both, I mean, the puns have been lost. There's definitely fewer puns. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is still the odd pun, but certainly fewer puns. 
but instead they've got but that but they still got this sort of bad joke but we're in on the fact that it's a bad joke slightly ironic but very cozy and your granddad might still laugh at it sort of humor yeah. so like the, this week opened with a silly sort of physical prop pun based joke where noel had some flour in a wheelbarrow and she was like how are you going to get it out of the wheelbarrow and he was like it's self-raising flour like that that for me is still kind of there's a big overlap in the venn diagrams between sandy and noel and mel and sue right yeah but there are a few key things about them that are not really working for me as a duo one is they're not a comedy pair Mm. like mel and sue have worked together like since they were in their early 20s so i always just felt like they were a unit and they have this like enormous love for each other that really Mm. comes across sandy and noel i'm pretty sure probably met for the first time when they auditioned for this totally. so they don't have that kind of chemistry i mean they're both perfectly nice and actually presenters and comedians who i like in other contexts mm-hmm. noel fielding probably more than sandy toxvig but i don't really feel like they gel yet as a pairing that's interesting because i was actually pleasantly surprised by their chemistry because mm. i felt like i just couldn't imagine them together because their styles of humor to me were so different like you've got the noel fielding like silly colorful you know zany in quotes humor and then you've got sandy toxic who's very sort of dried self-deprecating you know might have like a barb for somebody Mm. that kind of humor which are just so on different worlds but then there's something about them i like the way that they she calls him darling quite a lot and then you know they've had a couple of kisses on the cheeks it seems i don't know quite like i think it will get there yeah but i don't know for now i think they're they're sticking to their script quite closely mm-hmm. and I don't know sort of feeling their way a little bit I, I do really like Noel's interactions with the contestants though which is yeah very typical of as you say his quotes zany humor where he sort of hovers behind someone having a, a baking disaster and goes can I help at all <laughs> in a way that I don't know quite a lot of his style in this reminds me of early Mighty Boosh yeah. in a good way well, the thing is, I was Confessions of a Teenage Anna Leskovich, part 3012. <laughs> I was like a huge Mighty Boosh fan, mm. like ridiculous. I'm sure I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but like ridiculous. I think we saw that we saw their live show maybe like eight times in two months. We like wow. went to all these different places. We dressed up as like there's a there's an episode of the Mighty Boosh starring Mod Wolves. And we. Oh, yeah, I love the Mod Wolves. Yeah, we, yeah. We ha- I've still got my Mod Wolf mask. My friend Hattie, who you will know from other anecdotes, she was like an amazing creative arty person and she made these like ridiculously cool masks and we used to come to all the show in the masks and like noel once said like those masks are so much better than the ones in the show like (laughs) so annoying she's she was really good so yeah we used to wear these like suits and these masks everywhere we saw them so they would like recognize us and stuff it was like super super geeky so i'm very fond of noel fielding on the one hand on the other hand i kind of like started to find his brand of humor deeply embarrassing in the way that you feel deeply embarrassed about stuff that you loved as a teenager and sometimes it like brings me out in hives i did an article before the new season started back when it was announced that noel was going to be the presenter so like predicting all the things he would say there's a long list of silly things so it was called all the things noel fielding will probably compare bakes to on the great british bake-off and they included an afternoon snack for tim burton's children a peppermint nightmare if hansel and gretel went on a three-day binge in berlin 
crunchy friends in a chocolate broth you like get you get the gist yeah. and then one of the things i thought he was going to say was like if someone was like running out of time like oh, what is time is time mm. a construct and i didn't put it in the piece he but literally was, did do that and he yeah. literally did it me and my boyfriend were talking about it and i was like oh my god like it's so like it is what it is to such a like strong extent and when he said that like a flower tasted like a rubber clown's nose you're like you're su- you're like a parody of yourself you could like you could write these in like your voice but when he's not doing that kind of thing when he's just like being a person and like having a yeah, bit of a laugh with the contestants he's actually yeah. yeah he's he's obviously got a, a sort of charisma to him that you can't really deny so yeah I like that element of him and I also like it when Sandy does that it's mm. kind of a weird setup the duo with the Bake Off presenters because like you say you do very much expect there to be a duo but they also do a lot of stuff separately like yeah, there tends do. to be one person talking to the contestants one task and one person doing something else it's not there's not actually loads of interaction between them apart from right at the beginning and right at the end yeah exactly yeah so presenters are i don't know i'd give them like seven out of ten i think that's yeah will improve across the series i'm sure yeah i'm not so sold on prue leith as Mm. the new co-head judge with paul hollywood Mm. paul hollywood i have no time for we never really liked i never really liked him and i as we find out more things about his personal life, I consider him to be a trash human. Yeah. So we're not really going to dwell on that. But Prue Leith is the new Mary Berry mm-hmm. in the sense that she's supposed to fulfill that role of like an older female judge with loads of cooking experience, etc., etc. I did not know who she was before she was on this. I asked my mum, who is very into cooking and stuff, and she was like, oh yeah, Prue Leith, she set up a very famous cookery yeah. school. Leith's. and yeah you know so i was like okay fine she obviously has like the culinary chops to do this yeah but as an on-screen persona i find her a little bit stressful yeah i'm enjoying her outfits Mm, she dresses very colorfully which i like because i think you need that and her and noel are really bringing that Mm. that kind of colorful dress sense to the fore because you know r.i.p mary's like beautiful pink flamingo jackets and so on that would like sell out of marks and sparks in five minutes when she (laughs) wore them the thing that i don't like about her is she keeps mentioning calories yeah, which is really annoying. Apparently, her catchphrase is like, "Is it worth the calories?" Oh no! What a shit catchphrase! Imagine that being your like persona. Oh no, that's awful. That's like shading into like horrible purveyors of clean eating. Yeah, it's a bit weird. And then in she'd had the the cover story in the Spectator last week, and the cover was um, called like the obesity crisis or something like that, and it was like Leith on like why Britain is so fat, fat Britain. That was it, fat oh. Britannia, fat Britannia was the cover. Line. Oh, I saw that cover, but I didn't realise she wrote it. Yeah, I did not really look at it in much detail. I mean, do you really want the host of Bake Off, which is all about like delighting in food, enjoying like mm. beautiful, fun, amazing to look at, and delicious treats? to be like "Mm, everyone in britain's really fat like the great british bake-off does not need to be associated with fat britannia those two brands are not something that need to come together in my mind at all because also bake-off is not in any way a program that is suggesting that that once you finish making a tray of 16 cupcakes that you should then sit down and eat them all yourself it's very much a show about sharing with other people totally and like the joy of like making food for everyone and but also it's like yeah eat the fucking cake babe like do what you want like who who cares and if you're fat fat is fine fat is great 
And like just the fact that the end of the Bake Off, you know, where they reveal the winner, is this massive tea party with like all the other contestants and all their families and all their friends. And it's all about like, we made these amazing things and now we're all going to eat them and we're really happy. Yeah, exactly. You know? Oh, it's so fun and nice and so, warm. Yeah, you're right. Fat Britannia and mm, is that really worth the calories has mm. no places. Though I would like to see like a photo shoot with like s- several gorgeous fat women called mm. Fat Britannia. That yeah. would be fun. That would be fun. And if that, that kind of Fat Britannia I'm all behind, it's the, it's the disapproving, you know, horrible. Yeah. But also I feel like as a way of judging people's baking, that's not a very good method. Like Mary was all about is this crunchy? Does it taste enough of gin? Yeah, exactly. Well, how um, boozy, how calorific is it? The yeah. more the better. Whereas Prue seems to be like, mm, your biscuits are not very good, so I don't deem them worth the butter they contain. Yeah, which is such a weird metric. Yeah. You're so right. So beyond that, I don't really have a sense yet of her as a judge. Mm. She doesn't seem to have worry. I, as it's much hard. as I'm not a big fan of Paul Hollywood, I do get that you know he has a very particularly with breads and stuff like that he is like a really good technical master of those things so when he says this is too squidgy or like this didn't get baked for long enough that is legit i'm sure but i don't know you're missing from the judging dynamic now totally that sort of sense of like does this bring me joy yes because yeah you're so right because he's got he's got a brand hasn't he it's a brand that i personally really don't like which is very hyper masculine Let's give the dude a handshake for his great, I don't know, loaf. Uh, <laughs> and then Mary, to counter that, was very much like, oh, I'm really enjoying this like exciting flavour. Yeah. And yeah, this feels kind of, I don't even know what Prue's brand is right mm. now, but I mean, it's hard. We've had 10, 11 seasons or whatever. I, it's maybe not quite that many, but we've had loads of seasons with Paul and Mary and not that many with Prue. So it's harder for her to build that brand with it in the space of two episodes. Yeah. So again, We'll see what happens, but I'm instinctively not enjoying her as much. Mm. What about the contestants? I am I am enjoying the contestants. I feel like it's a little bit too early to compare them to previous series because mm-hmm. I feel like you. I don't really get to know their characters until at least three or four episodes have gone by mm. because by that time, the pool of contestants has shrunk down to the point where I can like remember distinguishing things about all of them. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, I've got one or two favourites, Yeah, but... Like, I don't have an overall sense of them as a group. Who are your two two favourites, would you say? I really like Julia, the Russian girl. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's great. She's really great. I love Jan. And then Jan is my other one. I love yes. Jan. <laughs> I love how she's like, I've used science to I make know, this better. she's such a nerd. She's like such a, like, swear to God nerd. And I love her. She's great. Who else do I like? Stephen and Sophie are obviously the real, like, front runners, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, I really like Flo as well. Oh, yeah, I love Flo. Oh, who oh. is, they keep saying she's like, Pickoff's oldest contestant. Is um, she? Yeah, but she made that amazing watermelon cake in the first yeah, episode. and she's got a great Liverpudlian accent and she's she just wonderful. Yeah. So, so some really nice characters coming through already, which is great. Yeah, and as a group, I've already seen lots of evidence of them like helping each other. Oh yeah, they helped with Tom, who was like mm. panicking at the last minute. By the way, we're doing, as well as the fantasy, what do you call it? Oh, the Fantasy Bake Off League. Yeah. Fantasy Bake Off. So the fantasy. I'm really. I like. I've been on holiday and I've like not engaged with the so Fantasy Bake Off. I, I have. At all. It's really I bad. have a few things to say about the Fantasy Bake Off League, which it got slightly out of hand. No way. Too many people tried to join. Well, not too many people, but like more than anticipated. So the guy who runs the Fantasy Bake Off website had to contact me and be like, "Your you league too is many. too big. I'm going to turn you into a region." 
So if you sign up now on the Fantasy Bake Off website, which you can all do, fantasybakeoff.co.uk, when you create your profile, you're like, this is the name I want it to show. And then it's like, where do you live? Because the way the whole website works, it's like you are ranked fifth in London or fifth. Oh, right. It's like London, Manchester, Sirius. Yes. So we're like a region now in I the Bake Off. So yeah, if you would like to join the Fantasy Bake Off, which if you haven't encountered this is just, it's like fantasy football, like you pick who you think is going to get kicked off every week. And also there's a kind of every week, there's a like wild card pick. So like the only point I've scored so far was last week's wild card where you had to pick who was going to put the wrong number of things in a batch. Oh, that's great. And I picked Flo and that was right. She didn't make enough fortune cookies. So I got one point for that. I have no other correct predictions. So you pick that and then it gives you points and then it ranks everybody. That's so exciting. Um, Yeah. And there are some people who are already doing really well. Our colleague Lizzie is really smashing it it in there. Damn it. I need to get in Um, there. But yeah, you can still join. There's plenty of time. As I say, I've only scored one point so far. So you could beat me in a single week if you got a few. So yeah, if you would like to sign up for that, fantasybakeoff.co.uk and then select Seriously as your region. Can't wait. We're also doing an office sweepstake and... Oh, really? Yeah, I have Tom. Oh. So when Tom goes out, I have to make bakes. Oh, as that's how it's worked. That's how we're doing it. And then okay. also like the winner will win the, the two pounds we all put in or mm. whatever. <laughs> really rooting for Tom suddenly. <laughs> yeah, you're quite busy at the moment. How yeah, are you going to... want to make these cakes. So. Uh, well, I think you're pretty safe. He seems... Fairly seems okay. solid. He's, he's yeah. not. He's not a Sophie or a Stephen, but yeah. he's, he's doing all right. I so. think Sophie and Stephen are the like technical ones to beat. Mm-hmm. But I do think Jan could sneak in there because she's made some really impressive stuff, and she seems pretty solid on. Like she hasn't tried to do anything weird, like put rosemary in shortbread yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, I I know I say this every time we talk about the bake off. I miss really Norman. miss Norman. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I know he was just the perfect combination of like dour Scottish man. We have totally sanctified Norman. Was he from like the, the greatest ever bake off with the like baked Alaska fiasco yes. and everything? Yes. He what was. a what a great great yeah. time it was. Again, probably shouldn't say that this early, but there's no Nadia. There there isn't yet, is there? There isn't, but could there ever be? Could there ever be? I mean, yeah. Who knows? Well, we've talked for 21 minutes about the Bake Off, so we should probably stop. (laughs) Should we stop now? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, watch the Bake Off. Tweet us your thoughts. Enjoy cake. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So the next thing we're going to talk about is the debut album from Anna of the North, who are Anna Lotterud and Brady Daniel Smith. Anna Lotterud's from Norway. Uh, We love Norway on Seriously at the moment. And Brady Daniel Smith is from New Zealand and they met in Melbourne and then they started making music together as Anna of the North. So Brady Daniel Smith, I think, writes the melodies and and produces um, the songs and Anna's obviously the 
the vocal and the, the person, the, the main focus of Anna of the North. So Lovers is the debut album. She's released like lots of other songs and dribs and drabs here, but this is her first studio album. And it came out on September 8th. We've listened to it. I absolutely love it. I don't know what you think, Caroline. Yeah, I'm really loving it as well. It's really calming and relaxing, I find. And I can listen to it two different ways. I can, like, on the train the way here, I just sort of like let it wash over me as a soundscape Mm. and as a mood. But then also I find you can listen to it in a really detailed, paying attention way. And it rewards that because there are some songs that give me that calming feeling that if I kind of focus too intensely on them, I'm like, these lyrics are nonsense. They mean nothing. It's just nice noises. Mm. Whereas actually, that's not the case with this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I agree. I really like that it's it's basically an album about heartbreak, I think, yeah. isn't it? And I read in the fader, they were like, so did you maybe like have a breakup before you wrote this album? And she was like, oh yeah, actually, I haven't really talked about that. But yes, obviously. Yeah, there's a really good interview, actually, that fader one. Mm. We'll, we'll link to it. I found it very illuminating. Yeah. So her whole brand, I mean, I feel like the, the sound and her brand together are, are very Norwegian. Yeah, it's all very Scandinavian, isn't it? And very like clean lines and minimalism. Totally. She said in that interview, I think something like, oh, I love space, clean colours, air and white. Mm -hmm. And the album artwork is her in like bright white athleisure. And like the singles have like her like cradling different white animals. So she's got like a bull terrier under her arm in one and like a cockatoo on her Mm. shoulder in another and like a big fluffy cat in another. But they're all like totally white. And I really like that, that, yeah, that does sort of, you feel that in the in the songs themselves, which are this kind of like synthy, electro, kind of 80s-ish, almost like power ballads, but a bit more sparse and a bit more like pared back. But there is something very kind of cool and clean and light about it all. Yeah, there is. And it's a very interesting sort of palette of sounds because... I re- I really like music at the moment where I can't tell what's making the noise. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. this could be a guitar with a really complicated series of effects on it, or this could be a keyboard, or this could be like you hitting a cardboard box. I have no idea. Yeah. And I find that mystery really compelling. Yeah, it's a bit like someone's got a big fuzzy xylophone hitter and mm. they're hitting a big electric xylophone, but in an igloo. Yeah, actually, that's a really like, good way very of weird, it. like kind of soft electronic style. Yeah, yeah. Because when we say it's electronic, we don't mean it's like pumping EDM in any mm, way. No, it's very minimalist. That's really the best word I can come up yeah. with to describe it. Yeah, but it's quite layered still, and there yeah. are like there's these like kind of Phil Collins like drums in there. Mm. It is. It does feel quite eighties to me. There's a song on there called "Someone," and I was trying so hard to be like, what are those first three chords reminding me of? Um, and it was Betty Davis eyes. It mm. was uh, my colleague Anoush was like, that's definitely what it is. So yeah, it has got that kind of like Molly Ringwald movie vibe yeah, to it, yeah, even, it does. even as it is very pared back, which I like a lot. Yeah. And I also really like some of the lyrics, really beautiful. My favorite song, I think, from the album so far is Money, which mm. is all about the, you know, the person narrating the song is trying to persuade a friend that, you know, she just wants you for your money. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're worth more than this all this kind of stuff and it, i don't know it's a really i love that because it's very much like oh she doesn't like your music or mm. your t-shirt or whatever and then there's a line that's like she doesn't even like your pretty face and yeah you're like, there's, there's something in it that's you're like oh you can just imagine her looking at this like beautiful person and being like she doesn't even like your pretty face and i i do i love it <laughs> it's almost every word has got that real ache behind it yeah. i don't know how pop artists do that where they like 
managed to get so much kind of longing and lovelorn emotion behind like quite simple words but that's totally what this this album does it's to do it's partly to do with the quality of her vocal i think Mm. that it's a really ethereal and seemingly effortless although i'm sure it's not way of singing Mm -hmm. that just really like catches in your heart yeah oh it's really beautiful there's a song called all i want that closes the album that feels very like that that's sort of like you know all i want is your warmth and stuff Mm. which also felt poignant to me because it feels like quite a chilly album in places and then she's like all i want is your warmth at the end is quite like a i don't know it felt quite like a poignant way to close it and I also really liked Always, um, which yeah, to me, I like that one too. yeah, it felt like like Robin's Dancing on My Own. It's mm. not quite as upbeat as that, but it's it's got the same, yeah, real kind of like longing to it. The lyrics are like, I'm tired of being in love, always in the background. And that always is her, always in the background. Yeah, I just love, I love those those records. I think the whole the whole album is is great. I can definitely tell that it's going to be one that I'm going to like have on repeat for quite a while. Mm, yeah. So any listeners who have enjoyed... Uh, Lord's Melodrama after we recommended it and I know there's quite a few of you several of you emailed to say that you listened to it because we said we liked it and are now obsessed with it I think you will also feel the same about this yeah also anyone who's liked kind of like Christine and the Queens maybe Mm. or Shura if like Shura is what's it gonna be it's it's kind of it sounds like a cousin maybe of this record yeah or even like Carly Rae Jepsen's Emotion I think there's actually all those kinds of albums from kind of like slightly 80s inspired electronic pop that all that kind of thing it's for you So last week we decided that we would give Terrace House, colon, Boys and Girls in the City, a watch, which is a Netflix reality TV show. It's Japanese and it follows three girls and three boys living together in a house. And that's the setup. It's a bit like the Big Brother house, except they're allowed to leave and do their jobs. They just have to come home at the end of the day. So Caroline, what did you make of Boys and Girls in the City? I am weirdly gripped by this show. I can't even really articulate why because it should be so boring. It should be so boring because as you say, none of the things that what we think of as reality TV now does to try and like make drama and make it exciting is in this show. Mm. As you say, no one is like penned in the house. They're all allowed to go out and do their jobs. Like some of them are students, like live their lives as they were doing before. Just the only difference is they live together in this house share with people they don't know Mm -hmm. and it gets filmed. Mm -hmm. And then also you watch a segment of them doing something in the house and then it cuts to this panel of comedians and commentators who then do this hilarious, like, oh my goodness, I couldn't (laughs) believe it when she, like, took an extra sushi roll. Yeah. Like, really... What is she saying with that, girls? Girls, tell us how girls feel. And then the girls (laughs) will be like, well, when you cook fish in foil, it's actually much simpler than it seems. And she knows that. So she's trying to impress them, but also seem down to earth. And you're like, wow. (laughs) I know, they massively (laughs) overanalyze and make huge stereotypical sweeping judgments. Also, in the first episode, there's, like, a 14-year-old boy on this panel. Yeah, he still stays (laughs) there. I don't know why he's there (laughs) but he seems to be a huge fan and they're Um, like he's so kawaii yeah uh, so 
everything about it is this odd mixture of banal and bizarre. Mm -hmm. But I'm completely gripped by it. And my only regret is that because obviously it's all in Japanese and with subtitles, I can't really do anything else while I'm watching it. Because I would binge this whole thing if I could watch it like while cook. I was like cooking or cleaning. Yeah, totally. But I have to actually look at the screen the entire time. Because I've I done don't. a bit of that and then you have to go back and go and you're like, wait, yeah. what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, the tension in the show comes from the fact that they've dropped like three single straight women and three single straight boys into a small space. And the idea is obviously that hopefully some romance will blossom. Mm-hmm. And I think even in the first or second episode, one of the guys is like, oh, yeah, I'm single. Obviously, that's why I'm here. And they start quite quickly to like go on dates and that kind of thing. So in that respect, I guess that's quite a traditional reality TV format of like, let's put loads of single people in a claustrophobic environment and see what happens. But it's, I I think partially because of the type of reality show this is, and perhaps partially I'm not an expert on this, but because of just the way dating works differently in Japan, everything's a lot slower. It's not like people are, it's not like Love Island where people start like making out and having sex. There's absolutely none of that. It's all a lot more kind of based around like who's going to ask who to go on a date and is it going to be explicitly romantic or is it just going to be about getting to know one another and like when will they go where will they go are all three girls going to go out with the same guy or is that weird you know that Mm. kind of thing yeah it's interesting isn't it the fact that they have so explicitly aimed it at like heteronormative heterosexual three by three almost all reality dating shows are like this which is bizarre love island had to release a statement being like no there will be no bisexual or gay people on this show (laughs) i didn't know that yeah like because people were like next season aren't you gonna like try and mix that up a bit and they were like no and they the quote was like the format of the show does not allow for it and it's like yeah you made the format though so you've like created a straight format (laughs) just change it that's so weird but yeah i I hesitate to make too much comment about it because as you said I have no idea what Japanese dating culture is like Mm. and how like representative this is of that even Mm. but that is one of the things that I enjoy about it though is like Japan is different yeah definitely definitely there is like an element of wait is this a thing or is it just something that this person does Mm, yeah like there's because you know there's there's like uh an episode where quite early on one of the guys starts like really quizzing everyone on their ambition and like where they want to be in life and how far they've got to achieving that. And like, what if they don't know, why don't they know and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, whoa, is this a normal conversation to have mm. with people? And then judging from the reactions from the people who give this talking head commentary, it's like, absolutely not. <laughs> this guy is like really weird, but you watch it. And for me, there is a little element of like, okay, how like getting to know these characters also involves a bit of getting to know like what their lives are normally like Mm. so i understood a bit from the chat right at the very beginning between the pundits that you know this is not the first terrace house series there have been other series yeah and that netflix approached them about making another one i think so yeah which is this this one that we're now watching and there's a new one coming on at the moment which oh, right. is called like terrace house i think it's called like aloha i don't I can't, aloha something and it's hawaii yeah I, I saw that i think when i was looking on netflix for this one i think maybe the trailer's already up or something yeah, yeah. i think part well they're, they're releasing it in segments and i think parts one and two have come to netflix aloha state sorry is it japanese people in hawaii Actually, has it got anything to do with Hawaii? Maybe. I just, um, we're misled <laughs> by the know. word aloha. <laughs> but anyway, the point is Terrace House is like a reality franchise, right? Yeah. I have to say, in some ways, it does remind me of really early Big Brother. Like yeah. When 
Big Brother was still about relatively normal people put in this bizarre situation of 24-hour surveillance before it started being about, like, let's find some really, like, unbalanced people and then prod them to do yeah, awful things. Yeah, Except that the, the, the real thing with Big Brother is that they all go a bit mad because mm. they can't go anywhere and that's all part of the, like, amping up of the drama. Where in this, like, they are all, like, going for their runs at seven in the morning and, like, then going to their jobs or studying or whatever, so you do probably get a much better sense of what these people are normally like, I guess. Yeah, that's true. In some ways, it reminds me of... Did you ever watch Project Runway? Oh, yes. You know how they all live together in so the house? So much better than Projects. No, I, I liked Project Catwalk, which Am was I the UK version, which I can't remember I which loved. one I'm thinking of. I, I did as well. One of the... But they all the contestants on that, although obviously the focus was like fashion and making clothes, yeah. they all live together in a house. Totally. And you would sometimes get like shots of them in the house, but the house was obviously not the main focus of the show. So it was just like, these strangers live together because they're on a reality show. Mm -hmm. Here is a shot of them like in (laughs) their shared bedroom. That's what Terrace House reminds me of. Totally. Like just... Like an X Factor dorm. Yeah, like normals, but strangers forced to live together. Yeah. But everything else is basically the same. Yeah. So definitely watch it. Uh, it's really, really good fun. I'm like seven episodes in. So oh, I've wow. still got quite a lot more to go. There's like 20 something. So yeah. Apparently 20... the drama really does amp up as it goes along. Someone leaves like oh, loads wow. of stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really excited. I'm excited to know what the 14 year old boy thinks. Of <laughs> <laughs> so for next week, I've been having a rummage around in the recommends bin. And I found this from Theo, who says... I wanted to quickly make an album recommendation. It's a rather lovely piece of work by a Russian duo called I Am The Morning. It's got an absolutely stunning mix of fragile vocals and deliciously complex instrumentation and is directly inspired by the works and lives of Virginia Woolf and Sylvia Plath and their struggles with mental health. Yeah, I'm so up for that. Which sounds amazing. He says, The themes are explored in a very sensitive and understanding way and it's probably one of the best albums of 2016 that you probably never heard of. Well, it's true. I didn't hear of it. It's true, yeah. Um, It's free to listen on Bandcamp. Ideal. Ideal. So, yeah, we're going to give this a go. I'm really intrigued by this. Me too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. On seriouslypod.com, you'll find all our back episodes, including our specials on Harry Potter, Love Actually and Friends. We're also available many other places on the internet, including Twitter, Tumblr and Facebook. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts on what we've discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. If you've really enjoyed this episode, why not go to iTunes and give it a rating and a review? It helps other people find the show. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. 